Hey everyone, uh, I'm speaking with uh, Neha Dobal today. She's a product manager at Fortive and prior to this she was also a product manager at Theranos and she's had a very interesting experience in the medtech space as well. So uh, really excited to speak with her and with that uh, Neha Thanks so much uh, for joining me. Uh, really appreciate it, and uh, uh, looking forward to learn about your experiences. So, uh, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I will just wait for my royalty check after this. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, I want to focus on one theme, which is um, thrown out uh, a lot uh, mm -hmm. in the product management world. uh which is customer obsession mm -hmm. so i've been struggling to understand um what does customer obsession mean and how do you design a product around customer so in my work i am trying to overcome this particular challenge mm -hmm. so just curious to know about how you uh think of this term and how do you translate this into your work mm -hmm. uh so you're right about the fact and often time i think customer obsession uh you know it's also used interchangeably sometimes i feel with customer success and a lot of other words that fly around in the pm space but if i were to think about it um i think the first segmentation you want to do customer obsession is uh slightly different in a b2b and a b2b a b2c space for example so when you're designing solution for consumers i think you're you know designing for a large data set and there it kind of means slightly uh separate things um maybe and today if you like we can probably focus on what customer obsession um sort of means in the b2b space how does that sound Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it'll be great to hear about your current work and any other past experiences in the B two B space. So, uh, so maybe you can uh, talk about like how much time do you spend with customers, or how do you try to get these uh, really good insights from yeah. customers? So, just uh, if you can walk us through that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, to answer your first question, I typically spend about Thirty percent of my time talking to enterprise customers. So maybe I'll give you a little bit of background of what I do at Fordiv. Um, so essentially, I manage the software and service business for the networks group. Um, so overall, I manage a PNL for a twenty-two million dollar business, right? And this is essentially people use services. Um, once you complete the hardware sales, everything after that is sort of service for our enterprise customers so how do you keep them engaged how do you provide the support they need and then when it comes time for them to renew um some of their contracts with you know the overall networks business how do you make sure they're engaging well right and i think one of the things is um people are constantly looking at how your product um develops like so essentially for me i think i do a lot of voc which is voice of customer <laughs> another term that is very broadly used um 
about 30% of my time and most of our solutions are um, hyper personalized, I would say, to like larger enterprise accounts. And it just so happens that they seem to also work well for small and medium accounts. Um, so, and usually, you know, there are several ways of getting VOC, right? Um, I mean, you could, you could run surveys, you can actually have um, do customer interviews. And I think for um, specifically for existing services, I do a lot of interviews. So oftentimes I actually accompany my salespeople and just talk them when they're going to big customers. Um, since COVID's happened in March, that does not happen too often. So now I usually hop on the phone and end up talking to our customers quite a bit. Um, that's one way I do VOC. Um, However, something I started earlier this year is working on a new product, which is um, a business model transformation also. Um, and it is truly a market expansion opportunity. So it is sort of you're looking at hardware as a service. And because this is a completely new product, both to the company and the customers, um, one of the way that I've captured VOC is essentially through conjoint analysis, which is a survey method. Does that help? Yeah, for sure. So just curious as to because you said uh, the best approach or that you follow or you prefer is customer interviews, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, how do you plan these interviews and um, there are a lot of ways to extract uh, insights or pain points from customers, right? So yeah. what are some of the ways that you approach customer interviews? Um, so, and I think it works differently for different people. Normally, when um, I'm looking to schedule VOC calls or it is usually centered around a pain point, right? This is a customer who has been with us for a long time, but is telling me something is not working for them. Um, that's sort of the ideation phase, I would think, where a couple of customers have said, hey, this is a pain point, it's pretty persisting. Um, and usually, I think as PMs, of course, they, you know, there is a lot of knowledge about let the customer guide you, which I think is a good thing. But as a PM, I think you have to make a distinction between the customer needs to guide you about what their pain point is, not about what the end solution should be, right? <laughs> so, I mean, no offense to customers, but if you'd ask people, like, where would you like to travel? They could always tell you, I want to go to the moon or Mars, <laughs> but, or, or, or just say, like, oh, I need to have, like, an enjoyable vacation, and you have to sort of understand what that means from a technology perspective. So, for example, when we've heard from a couple of customers that um, it seemed like um, they're experiencing they're experiencing issues sort of managing their assets, I kind of came up with an initial interview guide um, because this statement is so general, right? Like there are so many things that customers could be running into um, that provides like problems for them as they're, and by assets, I mean hardware assets, right? So as I started like talking to customers, kind of asking the five whys about, um, or like what exactly the problem was, through interviews, you, I, we kind of realized that some of 
uh, what customers were having issues was was like physically tracking inventory or understanding when is calibration or repair due for some of their hardware products and that was a pain point which was easily solved through building a sort of a customer friendly account portal which was like a one stop shop for them to see everything that was covered under their contract when service was due when it needed to be renewed what features it had um and that came through like you know different layers of interviewing and then once we started building mvps customers told us well this does not make sense to me or this makes real sense and i love this feature so it was like a lot of asking the five whys starting with basic questions to actually prototyping sort of screens and showing them does this solve your purpose to actually building the product itself yeah quite interesting so uh, yeah i think the five whys might be mm-hmm. definitely a good approach uh, so do you directly try to focus on the problem or do you uh, go a little wider in terms of understanding about their entire business and uh, what their needs are um so so for new businesses i think it is from a much wider lens so for example i think you know the the approach i just described sort of works very well for a product that has been on the market for a long time and that customers have been using this for the past 10 or 12 years um for new products or new ideas um i think i we would kind of follow the path that you are talking about um so hardware as a service is a concept that customers don't exactly we all understand software as a service right so most of our customers completely understand we buy microsoft you know 360 for example and have like multi year contracts and every month we pay x amount and we continue using software like um i think the same can be applied to hardware um and there is something called device as a service that exists in markets today um so when i was thinking about this problem one of the major problem that i was trying to solve for was sort of does this truly lower the barrier to adoption for customers who may not have used our products before does this make it easy for them to adopt it and that meant looking holistically at their entire workflow really understanding where do they use our um test and measuring measurement system and then discovering how do we best fit in to that workflow um and that's how this actually emerged because as i was talking interviewing customers for something else one of the pain points that came up was this is an ex- extremely expensive product i don't use it all the time i wish there was a better solution to this and as you start thinking about this you're talking about oh maybe the utilization is not 100% maybe people are looking for you know less priced options and how can we best do that right so that they don't own the equipment and kind of we shift the model from capital expenses to operational expenses and that's what actually like led to the ideation of 
we could actually use some of our hardware products and go out in the, into the industry as a service. So, yeah. Quite interesting that way. Uh, so one challenge I see here is uh, because you're speaking with some of these customers who fairly um, have like larger uh, revenue composition, right? Or they contribute more to the revenue. Mm -hmm. So do you get influenced by them versus someone who is probably not contributing to your revenue as much, uh, but you'd still want to listen to them. So how do you navigate that balance of listening to these uh, uh, high value customers versus someone who's just started off and not contributing as much? I think uh, segmentation plays a very critical part in this and segmenting your customers is extremely important, right? We all went to business school. We all learned about STP. <laughs> so segmentation, targeting, positioning. Um, and that this is not just applicable for like new products, I would say. This is also very applicable for as you think about feature enhancement, because um, you look at each segment and you try to find out two or three features amongst many others that are best suited to that segment. Um, and that's some of the that's one of the easiest ways I have found of doing it is I look at persona from each of these segments and I'm looking at their problems independently. Of course, sometimes there is something that like, say, uh, say, a, you know, um, a friendly user experience. You almost can imagine everybody from like small, medium, large enterprises, everybody wants that. Um, so I, I, you find common themes, but segmentation to me plays a key part in understanding that your product like addresses needs. So I think one of the advantages of segmentation would also be pricing, right? So um, do you encounter any pricing related challenges when working with customers and uh, is it tough to navigate or is it like uh, straightforward to segment and then price it accordingly? Uh, absolutely. In fact, I, you know, there is, uh, there is a general belief that um, when you have, say, in a B2C business that, you know, consumers and consumers like you and me, we are more price sensitive and enterprises are not. <laughs> um, and having sort of, you know, just worked in the SaaS business and now like hardware as a service business for enterprises, I kind of feel that that's no longer true. Enterprises are now becoming extremely price conscious and they, uh, more than consumers, I think enterprises are very focused on deriving value from their investments. So that leads to a lot of, you know, pricing questions, concerns, and again, sort of, um, once you use these segments, I think the way we have uh, worked this in is for each segment, we have a different pricing tier. Um, not to say that a larger enterprise cannot opt into a lower pricing tier. However, the way the segments are actually um, fashioned is sort of keeping in mind 
um, what your spending power is, how many users that, uh, that, uh, that might be using the product internally, and essentially what the inherent value of the product is to you, right? Um, as an enterprise. So I would, I would say actually like segmentation is probably one of the things that really contributes largely to pricing and also then um, sort of contributes a large deal to how feature development and support is then fashioned for products. Interesting. And so um, earlier in the conversation, mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, about like few other ways to uh, gather customer insights that you rely on, right? Like you, for example, conjoint analysis, and then do you also do any qualitative uh, uh, research and maybe secondary research? So if you can also talk about uh, other approaches that you take beyond customer interviews. Yeah, so I think one of the ways is one of the basic starting points is obviously doing like a competitive landscape analysis, right? Um, That generally looking at what is currently in the market, um, that it may be addressing customers' needs or where is it lacking has been very helpful. That is, uh, that that this I would like say tends to lead itself well to qualitative research. One of the other things that I have uh, found useful, uh, even though I don't have a very structured approach <laughs> for how we should be using it as a tool, is uh, customer journey maps. And uh, this is, you know, after your first couple of interviews, um, once you have a good idea about the pain point, right? you internally can generate customer journey maps, which sort of explains the different interactions the customer will have at different points of their journey, leading up to the sale, post sale, and kind of fashion that out, uh, and then discuss it, go back and validate that with the customer. I have found that fairly useful. And this is like a good example of, you know, like spend a lot of time in understanding what the problem is and then on your own brainstorm what the solution looks like because your organization and you come with like inherent uh, strengths, right? <laughs> that could lend itself well to solving a solution a certain way. Um, and I use uh, some, uh, there is a product called Miro um, to actually map out customer journeys, a very useful tool. Oh, yeah, we actually use uh, Miro extensively, but we use it for a different purpose. We use it for brainstorming and coming up with new product ideas. But yeah, interesting to know you also map out uh, customer journeys through that. And I've seen that in my work as well, where Mm -hmm. if you are able to map out a customer journey, you come across a lot of interesting insights that you've not been able to think through and you sort of put yourself in the customer's shoes and try to understand how they're going about decision making or problem solving and uh, see how your solution would fit in for sure. Yeah. Um, And I think one of the ways, you know, like, so this would be like the qualitative part, right? And then, you know, what you can actually do is as you launch your pilots, right, which is, which I think is like easier to do in a B2B space because you already are, you almost co-build solutions sometimes with customers so you know like we 
we always talk about the the intent to buy funnel you already have people in it because you're talking to them about their problem and sort of like building it to suit their needs again i'm not saying this is not a hyper customized product right <laughs> this is sort of a, a product that works for a certain segment of customers which actually consists of like several enterprises um one of the things you can do very well is as you roll out betas a be, you know your be your beta level product you can actually look uh, sort of install uh, tools like full story i don't know if you've heard that that sort of like measures customer um interaction with your product so you can like clearly see where are customers hovering which page do they go to more often and that sort of validates your hypothesis you know that you came up initially with uh, from your customer journey so i would say that's actually a quantitative validation of your initial hypothesis that i believe a customer is actually going to follow xyz when interacting with my product and then my customer will spend x amount of time here getting you know x value from this page right so you if you're measuring so for example one of the products i manage um is a cloud software called linkware live and what that simply does is it think of it as is like a usb stick in the sky so it you have uh test results that are uh, that are stored on the cloud and then customers can download uh, certification reports fairly simple but um i'm very focused on you know like how many users do i have there daily how many reports are they creating how many reports are they downloading and this actually i can like validate this through putting full story on my product and kind of looking at how customers are interacting and sort of mathematically saying okay my hypothesis is right or my feature purpose yeah so we've done some similar work as well but especially for like um new users mm-hmm. uh, trying to map out how they could potentially engage and also uh cohort analysis seeing where there is a drop in engagement so that yeah. you can actually try to plug in those gaps for sure so so i've been actually uh reading a lot about cohort analysis and amplitude uh, which is one of the analytics uh providers for uh, customer insights i think has a lot of cool resources on how do you go about like cohort analysis retention rate mm. uh, churn etc so uh quite interesting so uh, beyond these do you uh, focus on any other customer analytics uh, uh, when you analyze the data so one you mentioned about the tools but also how do you look at this data and try to analyze it so do you use or recommend any solutions um so for example like i've done a lot of conjoin simply because i was you know working on a new product right and trying to decide which feature is important to which segment and how much was that willingness to pay which ultimately led to the pricing um i obviously cannot go into the statistics of it because i'm not a statistician uh, but um i use actually qualtrics and just as a tool i think it's fairly similar to amplitude hmm. it has a lot of like analytics built into it when it comes to conjoint and sort of you it's it's a pretty dynamic analysis i would say so once you have um a significant number of responses i think it's very easy to like switch between data and kind of figure out um generally which features are important how much value they are 
to the customers and then like how important they are right so you get it as a percentage and then you and what is their willingness to pay is for it so that's something i've used um got it so i yeah. think the qualtrics product is more for service uh, right and while i think amplitude is more for quantitative data on customer engagement so you can actually yeah. see how they are navigating within an app and um understand the user behavior yeah. so uh, going back to your point on co-building solutions right so mm-hmm. you have all this data coming from different customers different approaches uh, how do you translate that into actually working with different enterprises managing expectations and then translating these needs into product features so that seems again a tricky part right like prioritizing what to build um how do you set expectations so how do you navigate that part mm, i think normally and just from my lens which is not always the correct approach because i work on like two or three products i think it's slightly different for a new product introduction which you know was hardware as a service compared to the existing products that are um that have always been part of fordiv um so i think feature prioritization i normally tend to um the way to decide them i think essentially is for the existing product it's we we have roadmaps that are built right and so these are five year roadmaps in terms of where do you want the product to be and where do you want it to be performing um and then there are like short term roadmaps right next 3 months what are you looking at like next 6 months what you're looking at um and so we have some metrics in place and usually that kind of really helps with prioritization um so making sure that whatever you're building kind of is on the roadmap for the product um and then contributes to the product metrics and the um the way metrics are divided for example that's essentially like the user metrics um and then of course there is like the business metrics in terms of like revenue right <laughs> and yeah um so i i think it's like customer metrics and like business metrics is what you can bucket them into um or sorry customer product and business so for example i if i'm looking at product metrics is essentially like the utility or whatever it can be different for different products right like um and then customer metric is essentially like an nps score or <laughs> sort of you know how happy are they with the support like how much what they value it at and then of course business metric is like revenue or sort of monetization numbers so i think majorly the key is that we need to fall under the uh sort of look at fall within the roadmap and then secondly i think it's the effort that is required to build it um and for which i actually work very closely with the product owner and engineering teams to understand you know how much effort is involved um where on the kanban board this can be slotted in and then which sprint will it be a part of so and uh, is there when you discuss this with the uh, enterprises when you co-building solutions is there ever a 
pushback in terms of uh, prioritization or requests you know, in terms of features yes there is um, actually there is quite a bit of pushback because you know i mean the the general idea is like you know you're you're crowdsourcing your ideas right <laughs> like i mean customers are kind of telling you you're not the one you're listening to them and then you're deciding what to build um oftentimes though you will see after a couple of like you know initial engagements that people are like well this works better for me and i need it in one week can i get it and uh, then it's sort of like walking the customer through the <laughs> process of you know pretty much what i walked you through in terms of like this is how we prioritize it internally and this is how much time it will take to build or sometimes it's even that we are not going to invest in this at this point so essentially for certain customers we find workarounds and uh, so i assume these are one on one conversations right have you ever had a chance to get multiple customers in the same room or do you think that's a recipe for disaster um i so i've had the experience of getting multiple customers in the same room uh, for uh, for one of the portal building experiences and i thought it was a very interesting exercise because generally these customers are not in competition with each other <laughs> so i don't i don't think you know when they came to the table i think we we actually did a panel like a blind panel test um in terms of like what do customers prefer um and it was actually a pretty good experience it's also like a collective way you often see that like key account executives they actually feed off of each other's ideas so it's almost better when they hear each other say the same thing and then come to a conclusion that this is probably something that will work for them best <laughs> so um but i'm not exactly actually i would be very curious to know how other industries or maybe other businesses do it yeah i mean uh, my, my product is more b2c so uh, i've never had the opportunity but seems like uh, yeah in, interesting use case to uh, wonder how you would navigate uh, uh, the dynamic room uh, while i've actually interviewed focus uh, groups for b2c and that's more straightforward i guess yeah uh, you don't have like much trouble with that i think uh, this was pretty similar to that i mean this was essentially like a focus group i mean the persona was pretty simple we we didn't uh, so the, you know the few times i've done it this was actually customers were very similar so i would call them from the same segment so now that i think about it it probably is the same thing as you know what you did maybe yeah so now that i think of it uh, in one of my previous uh, jobs i actually had a chance to get uh, b2b customers in one room mm-hmm. and uh, i think there was lot of uh, power dynamics at play so one okay. of the things that i was able to do was uh, talk to one or two customers well in advance sort of like uh set those expectations and also try to identify who could be like a champion within the group who can mm-hmm. drive everyone towards a common goal um and uh, also otherwise uh, let's say if it's not predefined you can also encourage the group to sort of 
pick one leader who can ensure that there is alignment in the room mm-hmm. uh, so those are some of the ways that i have seen it play out and it was uh, definitely effective oh that does seem like a very good idea yeah so i want to wrap it up with uh, one last question so i'm sure in several of your conversations you must have encountered difficult customers right unhappy customers so um what approach do you take in terms of uh, managing them and also what suggestions do you have to uh, figure that out yeah that is a very good question and you know that completely depends on the general situation it also depends on how thick of a skin you have <laughs> so um and i actually have a very good example for this i was on a customer call yesterday morning and i was running an experiment on um cannibalization which is you know once you come up with a new product you have to be careful or you need to have enough risk uh, mitigation in sp- uh, place so that it does not affect your main revenue stream right so you have to be you have to be careful that your your new product launch actually does not cannibalize into your additional sales and so we were thinking and so i my hypothesis was that with the new product some of our customers uh may not be interested in it and the way to test it w- would be to actually walk them through the initial offer walk them through the features and kind of like listen to their feedback about uh specifically why it would not work for their business so i think the first it was a 30 minute call 20 minutes were great and it just so happened that the customer pretty big enterprise account had an issue recently with one of the other products i work on so you know like just got on to this soapbox of how everything is wrong and they get no value from it and it is so expensive um and i think my the approach that has worked for me is first you need to let the customers speak right you are selling a service they are paying you money for it so essentially it is your job to provide them with that superior experience and or not not just of using the product but also like you know deriving enough utility from it and really making it work for them so one of the first things you have to let the customer kind of talk about what is not working for them um so it was about 5 minutes of listening to that and acknowledging yes there are some deficiencies but then again also trying to articulate as best as you can without like of course sharing trade secrets or internal company knowledge um two or three steps that you are currently taking and working on to solve those issues right or the fact that yes i'm looking into it and i will get back to you in x amount of time i think most customers they mean well you know as they grow like as we grow they grow with our business so essentially i think it's 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 a combination of like hearing them out because oftentimes they come up with very good insights that can make your product better um but secondly also you know giving them like concrete evidence of i acknowledge this is a problem and this is how i think we can work on it and these are the steps i would take i think that has really helped me 
form good relationships with some of our customers um yeah i think uh, i can draw parallels from my mm-hmm. experience as well um so uh, i remember in one of my previous jobs yeah. uh, on the first day itself i was asked to speak with a customer and it was like one of the most difficult customers ever yeah. so it was quite an interesting experience the person uh went on a rant but i could understand where um the customer mm-hmm. was coming from so i was able to empathize um and try not to be defensive and acknowledge yes. and uh, sort of say uh, how we are taking those measures uh, but uh, another thing that i was able to do was persist in terms of you know following up regularly yeah. and ensuring that um, uh, helping out not only in terms of what we can offer but beyond as well and then even um, going uh, beyond conversation of just business and just trying to understand um the customers motivations and what they are trying to do and also like uh, getting to know the customer uh, like personal stories etc um i think that played a huge role in converting a difficult customer into someone who started at least hearing us out and uh, being open to new products that we were planning to sell to them right and i one of the biggest things to that is uh, you know and i think it's a very personal trait and i believe like to be a good P- pm you just have to be a good people's person and uh, that is a weird sounding word but what that essentially means is like you need to have the ability to build relationships right um and this could be even with customers i mean you need to have customers that you keep the conversation going you go back to them with ideas and sort of also are willing to listen to their feedback of course a sense like you know humor works uh, often times to like dissipate very tense situations <laughs> so but of course uh, needs to be practiced uh, cautiously but you're right about building that relationship part and finding some common themes it could be anything but just uh, you know through conversation like discovering them not just as the customer for your product but essentially also as people right like everybody appreciates that yeah and also i think you can extrapolate that uh, to beyond customers to even um sales representatives mm-hmm. or customer support as well i've seen that play out where um i've actually sat with customer support uh, listen into customer calls and trying to understand um what are some of the issues and how we could uh, potentially help these customers yeah yeah that's a good point and i i mean that's why like people who work on say the customer service like desk or sales people i think you know their their personality is such that you know they are able to like reach out to people and talk to them um that's a good skill to inculcate i would say even as a pm um and yeah. you, you know to that point like of course you know right coming right out of business school of course some of us get lucky we get you know small teams to manage which has been such a good like development for me personally but um often times you know pms because they work so cross functionally right <laughs> i mean you're working with finance when it comes to pricing you're working with sales because essentially you want you know customer contacts right from voc to saying i want to build a funnel to deciding with marketing for example how do you want to position it so you're working with so many cross functional groups that you need to have the ability to manage without influence and 
this skill of actually learning to listen and learning to distill thoughts and coming up with you know like being able to articulate what you're thinking well um is a very useful skill to develop yeah for sure lot to learn from customer to support yeah. team at least in my yeah. experience i was super impressed on how they re- they were able to like navigate patiently listen to everything and then um ultimately do whatever it takes to solve the customer problems so yeah. that was uh amazing experience that i've had so yeah i i think that's a very good point note to like end this to right <laughs> like often times it is yes they will do whatever it takes to solve a customer problem and that is such a good example of customer obsession <laughs> yeah uh so with that again thank you so much this was a really fun conversation learned a lot about your work and your experiences so uh appreciate you taking out time yeah thank you so much this was so much fun